Good morning. Greetings from God's House of Salvation. My name is Reverend Dewana Smith-Gatling. I come to you from God's House of Salvation, located in Washington, D.C. While we're on this social distancing, I am speaking to you from my home. And I just want to spend a little bit time with you, maybe no more than about 20 minutes, speaking to you, um, giving you the word for today. Now, since I am at home and we're social distancing, there's no choir, there's no uh, different uh, order of service. So I'm just here just to give the word. I hope that it uh, feeds your spirit and um, gives you food for the soul. Before I start, I would like to start in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for using me in your ministry. Thank you for guiding me thus far and granting me your grace. Even now, Lord, you know the purpose for which I come to you. Oh, Lord, the scripture says that you were with your great servants like Moses and Joshua and used them to bring your children out of bondages. So today, Lord, fill me with the same grace, anointing, and power so that I can preach and give your word boldly and with authority for the deliverance of those under the bondage of sin. I'm unworthy, Lord, but make me worthy by cleansing me and filling me with your Holy Spirit. I, on my own, am an empty vessel. Let your Holy Spirit take full control of me and let him speak, not me. You know the needs of your people who will be listening to this word, and I submit myself to you so that you can use me in whatever way you want to. I choose to glorify you only, you Lord, and I do not want and glorify, want to glorify me because I am just clay in your hands. I thank you for girding me with your special grace, power, and strength. Lord, I take victory in your mighty name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. So today, I would like to speak on the subject, my soul refuses to be confident. My, his soul was in such turmoil, he could not sleep. I'm speaking in terms of the person ASAP. He was so confused and disturbed were his emotions and the questions that fueled him. He couldn't capture them in all words. He wasn't experiencing a generalized, undefined depression. He mentioned no specific enemy threatening his life. The person he was in anguish with was God. When Asap penned Psalm 77, he was experiencing a crisis of faith. The scripture reads, 
I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be confident. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. This is Psalms 77 verses 1 through 4. Now there are 20 verses. So in your private time, you can go back and look at the whole thing. But for this particular service, I would like to focus on verses 1 through 4. So I want to ask, why was Asaph so troubled? Because from his perspective, it appeared that God had decided to abandon his promises to Israel. And if God doesn't keep his word, those who trust in him build the house of their faith on the, spe- on the sand. A very disturbing thought. You hold my eyelids open. You hold my eyelids open. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Well, many who have endured a faith crisis recognize the experience ASAP describes. Something happens that shakes our confidence in what God has said, causing us to waver over what we've understood to be true about him or his character. This uncertainty produces anxiety and fear. In an effort to quell our anxiety, our mind becomes an insistent investigator diligently searching for answers that will restore our confidence. Such anxiety can rob us of sleep too. It did for ASAP. During the day, others' responsibility, activities, and people require our attention, offering some distracting respite. But in the dead of night, it's just us and our terrible or troubled thoughts. So we lie awake in bed or pace a dark room with our figurative with our fugitive a figurative hand stretched out toward God without weary, and our soul refusing to be confident. Refusing to be confident? Is that okay? ASAP example here doesn't endorse every inconsolable moment we have. We all battle sinful unbelief. But this psalm, I believe, is not a clinic in sinful unbelief, but in honest, anguished, spiritual wrestling. There can come desperate moments in life, and we'll see shortly just how desperate ASAP's moment was. We're telling our turmoil-afflicted soul to hope in God. Psalms 43 verses 5 doesn't bring quick comfort because at that moment we're wondering if God can be hoped in. 
This is why Asaph says, When I remembered God, I moaned. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Before we go on, we simply need to let this sink in. Asaph's faith in God was shaken, and resulting um, anxiety was keeping him awake at night. He even told God, You hold my eyelids open. And his experience made it into the canon of scripture. There is a reason God preserved this psalm for us. Yes. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Psalm 77 doesn't tell us what was fueling Asaph's distress. But Psalm 79 also attributed to Asaph very likely does. O oh God, the nations have come unto your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food. The flesh of your faithful to the beasts of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem. And there was no one to bury them. We have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derived by those around us. Hmm. Asaph had witnessed horrors, even if he speaks of them in poetic language. Many of us have seen gruesomely um, interesting photographs of war, a brutalized corpuses of men, women, and children rotting in the streets. Those who have actually seen the violence walked those streets and personally known some of the slain are often scarred by such trauma for a lifetime. ASAP knew God's judgment. Most likely, the Babylonian quest of Judah had fallen upon the nation due to unfaithfulness. But the experience of it Described even more graphically by the author of Lamentations was overwhelmingly horrific on every level. It didn't just look like judgment, it looked like wholesale abandonment. So in his midnight anguish, Asap was asking, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? He was asking these disturbing questions because from his vantage point, At that moment, the answer to each of them had every appearance and emotional impact of yes. I will appeal to this. But Asap knew his Bible. He knew the covenants God had made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. He knew Israel's history from Abraham's sojourning to the 
Egyptian slavery, to the Exodus, to the Mosaic law of the conquest of the promised land, to the reign of kings. He knew the holiness and the power God had manifested. And so, in the midst of his disorientation and disillusionment and fear, having witnessed traumatized devastation of God's people in God's land, Asap looked backwards for hope. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. In particular, he focused his troubled mind on the crossing of the Red Sea, reminding himself of how at that desperate moment, when by all appearances it had looked like Egypt would wipe Israel out and the covenants would fail. God had redeemed his people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep troubled, the deep trembled your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let me repeat that again. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet the footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. In his crisis of faith, Asaph reminded himself how repeatedly though, through history, those who hope in God have had to hope against hope. That God would keep his promises despite circumstances appearing hopeless. If we read Asaph Psalm 73-83, to we'll see how many times he had to remember God's faithfulness in the past to keep his faith in God's promised future grace from failing in the present, or in his words, to keep his foot from slipping. Hope when circumstances are unchanged. Psalm 77 was birthed during an anguished, sleep-deprived night, and it has no explicit resolution, no pretty bow of hopeful words to wrap it up. It just ends. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. However, the hope is implicit. God, as horrible as this looks right now, 
as much as it appears that you have forgotten to be gracious. Redemptive history tells me that you will still keep your promises and bring your deliverance. That is one reason God has preserved this psalm and this experience to help us, especially now, if and when our faith undergoes severe testing. ASAP provides us language for lament and the example of what to do when anxiety is surging. And by all appearances, it looks like God's promises may be at an end for all time. Like ASAP, our horrible moment might make it appear like God isn't being or won't be faithful to his promises, fueling sleepless nights of anxiety, praying, and pondering. Like ASAP, we can pour out our hearts to God with profound candor during such a moment. Like ASAP, we can remember God's faithfulness in the past to keep our faith in God's future grace from failing in the present. And like ASAP, we might not quickly receive the comfort we long for, but we fight for it with all of our might. So in closing, let us pray. We pray, O God, to search our hearts as only you can. Search our hearts as only you know. And indeed, O God, shape us. Write your law on our hearts that we might love you, that we might love the neighbor, and that those things written on our hearts would indeed keep our feet forever in your pathway everlasting. Lord, we pray this because we know that you are powerful to do it. We pray this because we know that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. And if you would not withhold him from us, you would not withhold from us any good thing. Your word tells us that this is a good thing, O oh God. So, Father, we pray, be about the business of our hearts and make us like your son. Father, all these things in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may God give you his peace in your going and your coming in, in your lying down and in your rising up. And in your labor and in your leisure, in your laughter and in your tears. Let us all say amen and have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.